I guess we should start the show. Yeah. I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Do you okay. want me? Oh, do you want me to try the intro? Or you got it? No, I got it. But if you want to, you okay. can. I'm good. Okay. I'll let you do it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to season two, episode 22 of Belgarian and Beyond the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgarian series of books by David Eddings. This season, we're reading book two, Queen of Sorcery. And today we're diving into chapter 21. My name is Sondra Turnbull. I am from the Goddess Kindled universe. I write books and create courses and I lots of things that are far too many to go into here. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Alicia. Uh, um fantasy author and an inspiring writer and also which I'll talk about soon again to be a teacher <laughs> oh okay yeah are you talking about so, that during the show today anywhere yeah it's, it's in my week in, okay. my, in my cup um, okay <gasps> well let's get into Polgar's cup because I want to hear all about it yeah okay so Okay, I'll go then. Um, yeah. I put, I put my cup that's filled with mellow yellow tea, <laughs> um, not to be confused with yellow snow. Well, actually, you said, yeah. you said yellow tea, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want mellow yellow tea. <laughs> I just spent mellow, you know, yes. the feeling I have is mellow, like relaxed, chilled out. And the yellow to me represents like lemony type uh -huh. drinks which mm -hmm. always just makes me make my stomach feel good and all that so that's what I was going for but it sounds a little weird <laughs> well only because um, only because <laughs> I grew up I grew up um like in the country and when we were saving water the saying was if it's yellow <laughs> let it mellow if it's brown flush it down <laughs> yes we had that too here oh did you really <laughs> yeah Sorry, I think I, I was also hearing the song Mellow Yellow. You know, you know yeah, that song? yeah, I know the song. Yeah, so, anyways, but for me, it's been a pretty quiet week, pretty uneventful, um, but I've also been enjoying it a lot. Um, and I am, I have been thinking for a while about going back into teaching um, around what I helped my client with last year, who was, she was an amazing, it, the experience was so enlightening for me. I always felt so inspired after talking with her because she was that one person that was the, the type of person I want to work with on yeah. writing a book. And the interesting thing is, as soon as I started thinking about this, we, we communicated through Voxer, which is like a walkie talkie kind of app that you can use on your phone so you can just record your voice and send mm -hmm. and so I got one of those from her on Monday and it was a you know just her 
talking about um, what she'd been up to. And then she said, she is now working with a different group of clients in her business that are the top artists in the world, meaning artists of like painters and, you know, that type of stuff. So she has a client who wanted to do a book like what she did. And so she was referring her to me, but she was, she knew I had stopped. And so she was saying if I was getting back into it and the timing of it was just, and I told her that I said, the timing of this is insane, you mm -hmm. know? It's like alignment mm -hmm. in, in terms of the universe. And so that was really exciting because um, one, of my, one of my new things is, is as I go into this is that I am not going to like go out there and try to find people mm -hmm. and, and spend time worrying about that and just trust that if, as long as I stay and that internal space of, uh, what do you call it? Like stillness and awareness and mm -hmm. always present with the moment that they will find me. The right ones who are the, the best ones will find me. Mm -hmm. And her, after I had made that decision, I got that from her and it was almost like confirmation of like, yeah, do that. It's so totally was, confirmation. Yeah, it was really exciting. And now her and I are talking again more frequently. Um, and she's because she helps um, creative women do their business. And I'm obviously as a writer, I'm an artist. And so she was just offering to give me any help I would need. Um, so I'm, I'm happy I get to like kind of just pick her brain on a few things. Because mm -hmm. her, her and I are very much like uh, you and I, except it's not as we don't talk like regularly it's just that when we do it is that instant like yeah we're on the same vibration here so i'm really excited to to see what she will have to say about that um i'm still i got back into my writing uh for my novels that's been good and i also have been doing more yard work outside oh um, mainly because yeah, I'm trying to clean out this big dirt area that we want to put pavers down. Mm -hmm. So it's not just dirt. So I've been in, I've been all just myself and it's been good though. It's like yeah. therapeutic in a way, cleaning out all the dirt we don't need and totaling it. Yep. So that's been really nice too. In between that, I get some physical movement going oh, So that's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want to make it. I want to make it so when I go out there, it's like this magical secret garden thing. The whole work, all the work you're doing, it's so symbolic. Mm -hmm. Clearing, leveling, connecting yeah. with your earth. Yeah, it is. It really is. And even in, in my personal life, even though some of the stuff's not where I want it to be, I... I still feel really good. Like mm -hmm. I still accept it as it is and mm -hmm. just let it be. So fantastic. It's all feeling really good. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. How, how about oh, okay. your cup? Oh, I like your sorry. cup. Sorry. I keep yawning. Yes. I'm having, I have a really delicious uh, potion in my cup this week. It's creamy chocolate with rainbow sprinkles. 
mm-hmm. in honor of my older daughter who graduated college this week and That's she's now exciting. a senior. Thank you. So she's she's so a senior. She's now a senior stylist, and she's gone back to her signature mermaid blue hair, which is totally gorgeous. It's like <laughs> it's almost like my the color I'm wearing here. It's like a really sea sea blue teal kind of bright, more blue than green. Gorgeous, gorgeous hair. And so the rainbow sprinkles are for her because they're really bright Uh and she's either got yeah, bright yellow or bright blue or bright pink or some candy colored hair going on. So is that a hairstylist or? Yes. Yeah. She's a hairstylist. That's funny because my littlest one always talks about wanting to be style people's hair. Oh, does she? Yeah. Well, this is not just this morning. Yeah. We were talking she, about it. Does she play with your hair? She does. <laughs> no, just that she has some really clever ideas for a five-year-old. So I could see her totally doing it. <laughs> My daughter never talked about the, being a, hair, a hairstylist as a, a youngster. Although she has always been very like style oriented. Like she wanted bright colored hair. Took her, She eventually talked me into red hair because it had to be kind of natural to for school to allow it, but she's blonde. So you can imagine red hair is kind of a shocking change. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, but she never like wanted to said anything about pursuing it seriously, but she's graduated and she's done so well. She's so talented. It's amazing. And also um, I'm designing the invitations for my wedding. Um, this week and so that feels like it's kind of haloed with rainbow light too Um, Mm -hmm. because I'm marrying my girlfriend and partner of seven years and so um, it's a lot of rainbow symbology around that and and you know this this is the the seven years like this is only the time we've been together in this lifetime because I'm I know there have been a lot of others I don't know. Just it's just been a kind of a celebratory, euphoric kind of week, and I lost my head a little bit last night. We we got Disney Plus. Yes, <laughs> I'm so excited, and Great. I immediately after dinner put Moana on because I love it, and I haven't been mm. able to watch it. Like they had it on Netflix here for a while, but it was in Dutch. Oh, <laughs> and. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm the English one. So we watched Moana and I'm like three seconds in, can feel the tears coming. And it was like that for the whole rest of the movie. It's such a good movie. And by the end of it, I had like the big sobs, the big tears going on. Oh, <laughs> you know, it was so it beautiful. Is. It's and a really good movie. Such a good movie. And And then I got off from there. And I hadn't even really scrolled through to have a look around on Disney Plus yet. I just went straight for the, I saw Moana. I'm like, yep, that's what we're watching. And I was scrolling through and I had this total um, nostalgia overload from all the movies that I used to watch with my daughters when they were young. And I just had a total, like, I just (laughs) had a very messy, like, laugh cry. I think I may have actually been hysterical. (laughs) for just a little minute 
and uh, shocked um shocked Hanako she's like are you okay oh sweetie come here it's okay it's okay she's like, oh so yeah and then and it then is. of course this morning I woke up with my period so that might have explained the whole <laughs> like yeah I've done that too the super emotional night and you're kind of like what was that all about <laughs> yeah. the next morning I'm like oh oh okay yeah, yeah so that's Disney that's... plus it is it's a really good uh and it, it does like I go through them sometimes and I'm like oh like it's the old Disney shows I would watch growing up like DuckTales and yes so what are the other Darkwing Duck and all that stuff the gummy bears well, oh I God. never grew up with those. I saw them on there, but like things for me are like the shows that the girls used to love, like Hannah Montana and The oh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Um, See, I missed those because I was already too old for them and then yeah. I didn't have kids yet. So, we, so. that's so funny. The, the shows mark, yeah. you know, for us, for you and I, the differences. Right. Yep. It is yeah. good though. That sounds all sounds really amazing too. <laughs> yes. Such a good week. Yeah, really good. So let's get into the book. Uh, give us yeah. Garion's view. All right. Um, the group this time encounters the dryads, um, starting with Garion, who's out in the woods alone and is kind of approached by these two girls up in the trees who have arrows on him. Um, and once, you know, all of them come out, they all come to the group and they're invited to come meet with the queen of the dryads and they have dinner with them there. And we learn a little bit more about them. I think in, you know, different fantasy worlds, dryads are explained differently. They have different attributes and all of that. And so it was interesting to see his take on it. Uh, I liked the green tinted skin thing. That was kind of cool. And then, you know, during dinner, Sinidra decides to be brave and address the queen, gets kind of told off by her. Then again, at the end of the chapter, she's told off by Aunt Pole. So... That was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I know it was, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's the way to get a spoiled little girl to like shape up. Yes. So uh, we start the chapter with Garion um, waking up in his tent the, the, the morning after um, the mud men. And he hasn't slept well at all. He had bad dreams. And so he wakes up with Sinetra wakes him up actually. Yeah. Like touching him on the shoulder. It, yeah. It was on. a cute little shift between them. Yeah. It was like really calm and almost somber in a way. Well, it was tender. Yeah. Because usually she's really kind of fiery and like always trying to prove others wrong in some form yeah so to see her just kind of come in and and gently wake him up and yeah he's kind of still in that sleep haze and he's like good morning you yeah. know it's just really cute to so sweet 
And then she thanks him for being brave. Or I don't know if she thanks him, but she just yeah. says you were really brave. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was just cute. Yeah. <laughs> it is a lovely little conversation. And um, it's, it's um, he says to her that he'll probably get a scolding for being brave. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really understand that. And um, what do you think of what, how, what Gary and how he explains that? Well, you mean the part where he just, he's talking about Aunt Pole mm-hmm. and Mr. Wolf not liking it when he's brave? Yeah. That they think like he's his, still a his child. reasoning, his reasoning is that they think I'm still a child and they don't want me to get hurt. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Well, I think that he's still naive that he thinks that after what he's witnessed with even from his own hand, some of the power that's come out of him to think that that's why they don't want him running off and trying to be brave is because he's a child or is it more so because he's somebody of great importance that cannot be lost or is it that because he might exude some more of this power and they don't want him to know about it before he's ready or something like that. Yeah, well, I see. I don't know that he understands. Like, I think that maybe he has forgotten that or sort of uh, reasoned it away and sort of taken Aunt Paul's explanation on, even though when it happened at the time with the monk, he was like, no, that's not how it happened. Like he was sure that it had come from him. Mm-hmm. But he seems, I don't know, it seems like he's not in that same frame of mind anymore. Like if he can, if, if that's where he goes to, like they think I'm still a child. I don't think any of that other stuff occurs to him. Right. I don't think it does either. But I, I think that those are the real reasons yeah. why they tell him that. But it is interesting that he's kind of let it go. Yeah. And I don't know, it could just be the fact that he was raised Sundarian and he's very much Dernick in, in a lot of ways, just because of it's kind of ingrained in him and it's easier to kind of revert back mm-hmm. to who he's known all along rather than what's like kind of yeah. new and scary. And I guess that's an age thing too. Like he's, he's 15. Right. And so you know and there's a lot going on they're they're on this adventure there's all of these things going on there's battles and mud men and kings and queens and knights and like that's enough to turn any boy's head I imagine right (laughs) I would turn my I would be like what is I'm in heaven right now let's go (laughs) mud men let me out (laughs) the sword and the shield and maybe a wand oh absolutely yeah they don't have wands in this I know, but there would be if I lived in a fantasy world like that. <laughs> you would totally have a wand. I would have to have a wand. Oh, where's my wand? I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah, you showed us a while back too, that wand. That was really cool. Oh, it's okay. I know where it is. It's with my book of shadows. <laughs> oh, good. I have my um, Harry Potter wands behind me. Oh, hello. You have a wand collection. I do. Um, so so yeah that 
that is interesting that he kind of let it go but I guess it makes sense yeah I could make sense of it so okay so he Umpol sends him off to collect firewood and so he pulls Mm -hmm. his boots on and traipses off into the forest Oh. oh sorry bloody hell and so he's just wandering about by himself and then there's a voice from above him and a girl is standing on a, a tree limb and um, she's got a you know she's wearing a belted tunic and sandals and her hair is like tawny color she just seems really like she has that that faint greenish hue that you're talking about to her skin yeah that i i I try to imagine in my mind and sometimes it's a really beautiful picture and sometimes it's, <laughs> I can't quite <laughs> get the picture right. It's like, it's yeah. like the color contrast in my head is like not right, right or something. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like I mentioned dryads and different stories and different worlds from different, writers like mm-hmm. um i don't know if you've heard of that that's the witcher book series it's now a show on netflix i've watched the whole first season and was oh my god was devastated when i got to the end of the the last episode of the season and we we just looked at each other like <gasps> the show is so awesome right like it's, it's so episode. good now i've got to wait for two years or something until the next series comes I out know. well we can i want to read the books because these are Me our too. books but you know that then you know the, the episodes with the dryads in the forest and that show and what they what look like. Rockland Forest, the little blonde girl arrives there. Like she just happens to be drawn to <gasps> yeah, it. Yeah, and they're um and they're the elf dryads. And they've Are got they all elf? dreadlocks and right. And they're all for yeah, and they're the, like forest they elves. Almost, with, right. But they, they call do. them dryads. They almost have, it's not quite a greenish hue. It's more of like a golden hue. Because of golden on their skin. Like an olive yeah. gold color. But they almost, they do it so it looks like they're almost glowing a little bit. And so when I was, I already had that image when I was reading yeah. this. So I just transferred the golden into a green. And I'm like, yeah, I think that could work if you see it in that light, you know? You know what I've done? So, I've written this description into my one of my books really <laughs> yeah uh the magical realism series that i'm working on there's a character in the first book it's uh it, it's a uh, a male there's they're a partnership there's a male and female so sort of masculine feminine balance and they shape they shape shift but he he i describe him as having this olive slightly olive complexion like slightly green in the forest it was, oh my god i totally wrote green skin <laughs> in my book okay that's funny it appears i can imagine it yeah there you go that'll and help you now <laughs> um but yeah so these these dryads in this story are like these two he sees them as like girls they look like girls little girls two of them right at first and yeah but they're about the same size as um Sinedra. like he sees them as little girls but he also saw Sinedra as a little girl until he got closer to her 
Yeah. Yeah, and they find out he's building a fire. They seem really uh, uneasy. There's like no fires allowed in here. Well, and he's like, well. And, yeah, one of them's <laughs> like, you know, and they seem to, their language seems to be kind of innocent, but it's like this, it's like um, uh, dark innocence because they're like, they want to kill him because he's lighting fires or they'll want to see that, you know, oh, we want to put a stop to that. And, you know, if they're lighting fires and they've got bows and arrows and they've got no problem killing him, if, you know. Right. And but it just feels like they are like little girls with deadly weapons mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he he lets them know that he's just doing what he's told so you have to go take it up with aunt paul because uh -huh. <laughs> i you know i have no say in the matter uh -huh, so uh -huh. they they is this they go back to camp or uh, yes we, we learn about their queen too because they mention her like well shouldn't we just take him back to queen xantha is that mm -hmm. you pronounce it well xantha's and so and they say xantha says we're supposed to find out who they are um, but if it turns out they don't have any business here, then you can kill it. Mm -hmm. It is it's. Gary. It's yeah. What it's. do you think of that? I like that. <laughs> it's funny. I could see it making sense because they don't, they never leave the forest. It's just them and anything outside would feel so foreign. Well, they're not, you would. It, yeah, I guess so. But like it, kill it. Anything that's not dryad might be it. It could be. Because there is that point later where they mention that, or Aunt Paul tells Garen that the way they procreate is by getting male human men uh -huh. just for that purpose. And it's as they're heading over to the camp, these two are sort of have Garen at um, arrow point, marching him back to the camp. And they're giggling with each other saying, oh, he seems healthy and, um, um, you know, seems a shame to waste it let's check and find out if it's male <laughs> yeah so i wonder if they were planning something along those lines for him or well i think that maybe they were and mm -hmm. um anyway then they get back and um it turns out that zira the one who was telling the tawny haired dryad that if you know then if they shouldn't be here, then, you know, tawny hair can kill Garion. <laughs> Turns out that she's Sinedra's cousin. Yeah. Um, I so just, it's funny to me how, um, how they keep bringing up the topic of fires, right? And every mm -hmm. time they do, Garion is always just like, but it was only a small one. Only a small one. It was only humorous. It was almost humorous to me how every time I mean, there's only like two times, maybe three, but whenever they'd say it, he'd be like, only a small one though. <laughs> like we would have contained it, like stop worrying so much. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that funny. is funny. And, um, so the tawny haired dryad gets very disappointed that she's not allowed to kill Gary and she stomps away pouting. <clears throat> but then Mr. Wolf comes out of one of the tents. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and so at this point, there's lots of dryads around them. They all came out and followed 
Gary and back to the back to the camp. And uh, the dryads get very excited when they see it's Belgrath, and they right. run over squealing and kiss him soundly and want sweets. What do you think of this? I I don't know. I didn't think much of it until I saw Aunt Paul's reaction. <laughs> then I started wondering if this was like a sexual thing between them or not. Is it more just flirtatious? Well, I or don't know. Actually, the... I'm asking. Does he you actually what you make think? it a point? <laughs> he make it a point to visit just to like go and have some sexy time. <laughs> well, himself. it does say that he's been there. You know, he does visit. He does seem to know what dryads really like. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's a bit of an old dirty bird, I think, on yeah. occasion. Yeah, because he tells Aunt Paul, right, that that they'll do anything for chocolates or something they'll like that. They'll do anything also, for sweets. Yeah, for sweets. To make it implies almost that like he would give them sweets for favors well and and even more so like they demand a story and mr wolf goes well it's a really good story shouldn't we wait till we're with your sisters and then everyone can enjoy it and they're like no 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 we want a story just for us he's like well what will you give me and they're like kisses we'll give you kisses Mm -hmm. and then they negotiate for how many kisses each they will give (laughs) belgarath to get a story yeah that's true. So yeah, I guess that's that, that's his pastime, what he does for fun when he needs to relax. <laughs> so maybe it is just kisses. Maybe it's more. I do get a little bit of pleasure trying to work out if Belgarath has any dryad offspring. Right. That's what I would want to know. I would think <laughs> not. Because what did that... I don't know. Would he be able to pass on his his powerness to through his seed? Well, I don't <laughs> or is know. Is that something he has? Something that he learned and acquired and was taught? You know. Hmm. Well, there must be something to it because Polgara and that's true. You know, she has it. So, but so I would think he wouldn't maybe want to. Maybe that's more a contact thing, like a like an environmental factor. Could be, because that would be like my consideration is that he wouldn't want to procreate if that was the possibility that it'd be a bunch of these little sorcerers running around as dryads and yeah. I don't think that I don't think that that <laughs> that's how sorcery works, right. But I did get, I did have a little moment today as I was reading this thinking, oh, I wonder if he's got any kids in there. <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. But yeah, Aunt Paul doesn't like it at all. She's disgusted by him. and Pretty much. Well, she, it doesn't say disgusted, but she is quite dry about like well, the whole thing. She, she tells him though, you're disgusting. Oh, <laughs> She tells them that. Oh, that's true. Like, a, a little bit won't hurt them, Paul, and they like them very much. A dryad will do almost anything for sweets. And you're then disgusting. She says, you're disgusting. <laughs> it. You're absolutely right. She calls. She thinks he's disgusting. 
<laughs> so yeah, it's almost just like those two words right there are enough to kind of tell me that yeah, he's yep doing more than just kisses. Well, that's what I reckon. I've always reckoned. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole new side to him right there. It's kind of yeah. like, hmm. How are you, so, how are you like, feeling about that? Anymore. <laughs> how are you feeling about that? I mean, it's, he still has human t- to him and it's, you know, each human has kind of their own desire. So mm-hmm. can't really judge one for it being different than what yours is, I guess. But, and it's not like he's, he's, uh, it's just him. He doesn't have anybody. So, mm-hmm. you know. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. <laughs> True that. I got no problem with it. You go, go, you good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, Gary and Sister Aunt Paul, they're just children, aren't they? So, see, he still thinks they're children. Mm-hmm. So, maybe because they're a more pure strain of Dryer than Sinedra is. So, Sinedra has the maturity of an, of, that a human would would have whereas the dryads who are purely dryad although if they use humans to procreate there would be no difference there would would be no difference that's interesting It, it could be that though that she's not in the in the wood that something within the wood can you know it keeps them a certain way so environment again, environmental right. magic. Yep. Okay, I could see that. So, so yeah. And um, Aunt Paul makes the comment that they're much older than they look because a dryad lives as long as her tree does. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the dryads are, are really connected to oak trees, and oak trees live for a long time. So, I really like that idea. Yeah, that was cool. And then. Garion also finds out that there are no boy dryads. It's only yes girls. Yep. And that's when they talk about the, hmm, you know, they catch human males for that <laughs> sort of thing. Ah, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. And he just lets that go. Yes. Um, and then they head off to go to um, see the queen, see Queen Xantha. And there's a change in the woods as they walk through the woods now in the, the leafy language going on around them feels more friendly um, than it did before. Yeah. And I had a total Lord of the Rings moment, like, mm-hmm. you know. Right. As they're going, is... you know, to see Galadriel. And... Right, right. That's what this all reminds me of, like, any of the magic, anytime there's a magical forest, I'm just going to go right to Lord of the Rings. It's just a default for me. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and so from the morning, so they woke up in the morning, the dryads met them in the morning when they were lighting the fire first thing. And they don't reach the clearing, the center of the wood until late afternoon. So it's quite a distance. So they've walked mm-hmm. all day in the forest um, and they come to a clearing with an enormous oak tree in the center <clears throat> um i love the way it's described yeah it was uh, a nice description you know it's, uh, so huge that garion could hardly accept the idea that anything so enormous could be alive 
So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I, I try to imagine, but I don't, I don't think I see it large enough in my imagination. Yeah. yeah, it'd be really hard. Like I was just envisioning the trunk maybe as big around as my house is, which is big. Well, it would have I mean, to be for the description that they have in here. Yeah. I mean, that's big yeah. for a tree. See, that's a huge a tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the tree itself, sort of, Garion feels a touch on his mind. Um, like, mm-hmm. it's, like it's described as the soft brush of a leaf against his face. And I just love that. So, like, yeah. You know, they've passed through this magical forest with, you know, whispering to each other and then the tree, this big tree, just brushes his mind and it's so gentle and so soft from mm-hmm. this vast ancient tree. I love that. Yeah, that was a really good moment. And then... <laughs> it's funny how they... It's, it's, it describes all of the men in the party as clustering more closely around Pogara. Right. And all the dryads are up in the trees is kind of sort of giggling and talking to each other very knowingly. Like, it's always like they've been, the men are on display and they're like checking them out, which is a nice (laughs) little turnaround, I thought. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's usually the other way around. But there's even, someone has a comment, right, about, can they have them or something like that? And Aunt Paul says, like, yeah, further on, we're gonna need them. So I had to keep when them the, with me. <laughs> when the queen comes, uh, when the yeah, when the queen comes, she asks Pogara. She sort of greets Pogara like a long lost friend. Like so, they obviously know each other and have known each other for a long time. And she's, oh, thank you so much. Have you brought these as gifts for us? You know, just looking admiringly at the men in the group. Mm -hmm. yeah that was funny and then they go to for dinner and barrack really is not impressed (laughs) with the dinner yeah the food style was it kind of reminded me of my own book of with the vitalists what they eat but Mm -hmm. not even quite this extensive with it's just like what did they what did they say they eat fruits nuts and mushrooms Yeah, fruits, nuts, and mushrooms, and then they're drinking water. Mm-hmm. Like not even tea or anything, just water. Which water. Is, and, just, and nothing's being hydrating. Right, it's all raw. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, if that's all you know, it's definitely doable. But for somebody yes. who's used to cooked food, it's probably not going to fill you up of, in the slightest. <laughs> a lot of meat <laughs> and wine and beer. No, it's yes. not going to impress you at all. Right. But it's interesting talking about like change of changing your palate. Like I changed to gluten-free um, food in my early mm-hmm. sort of mid thirties. And I was never, I was never really strict about it and did it properly until I moved here to the Netherlands actually. So about seven years ago, I got really strict with myself. And I never thought I would, uh, be satisfied with food ever again, especially bread, because you know bread. Yes. Um, but you know, over the years, my palate has changed, and I've learned how to cook really delicious food. 
really yummy bread that you know mm-hmm. anyone can eat and appreciate as a tasty thing so you know there's a there's a transition period <laughs> yeah there definitely is and it's funny that once you do finally transition completely like with gluten because I'm also gluten-free and then you go to try to eat like a regular piece of bread like I can't I react now but when I didn't have reactions yet the taste for me didn't even taste good anymore like I preferred the gluten-free because my body knew it was better for me I think so it would you know adjust my taste bud so I craved that one and not this one kind of thing well I didn't do it for taste or for general health I did it because my I have like celiac in the family celiac disease and I am intolerant to gluten and it makes me really sick. And I only changed because I went to the doctor because I thought I was going crazy and all of my hormones and chemicals in my body were so out of whack. Mm. Um, (laughs) Mainly because of the gluten. Yeah, it can do that. So there you go. Um, Anyway, yeah, so there we go. So they're having dinner. So before they went to dinners, when they first got there, Polgara pulled Queen Xantha aside just as a, to have a quick whisper in the ear. And then they all went to dinner. And um, it was obvi- it, like Sinedra kept, kept, keeps trying to talk to Queen Xantha quietly, but obviously that's not going to happen. So she just, you know, brazens it out and just asks in front of everybody. Well, it doesn't ask. She just states, well, I'll, you know, my father's becoming unreasonable. I'll just come here and live here for a few years sanctuary until he you know comes to his senses right and the queen is very firm with her and just stating no you won't do that well she asks first what the reasons are um and mainly like the big reason like yeah he won't let me go out of the palace but the big reason is he insists that i go to riva on my 16th birthday and Sinedra's just outraged. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Yeah. So it's, the queen is very firm and that like, you know, this is something that needs to be done. So you're going to do it. You yes. know, it's like, it's a treaty. And Sinedra gets quite pouty. Like you can, you can almost see the, the childish tantrum coming on. I won't go to read, but I can almost see her stamping her foot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll stay here until after my 16th birthday and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, but of course that's not going to happen. Like, the queen's like, the no, queen, no. The queen and Aunt Paul are going to like team up against her on that one. So. Well, yeah, but and it's interesting though, Xantha, the way that she explains it, it's not just like a no without a yeah. reason. Right. Like sh- they have a treaty too. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they gave one of their their princesses to the House of Baroon. And that's the treaty. Their woods remain inviolate so long as a descendant of that princess stays with the House of Baroon. And that descendant is Sinedra. So mm-hmm. she leaves and doesn't fulfill her commitment to the Baroons, then the treaty is broken. And well, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Then it looks like Mr. Wolf gets into <clears throat> explaining to her what's going on 
outside with the to, orb. To Queen Xantha. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the queen uh, the queen sort of asks Mr. Wolf, you know, she's heard rumours, there are signs that she's been picking up and, you know, something's going on, maybe I should know. Yeah, and then he confirms with her that it is going to it's going to lead to war probably regardless of what direction they go in and it's, yeah. it's too late for any hopes of anything different. Yep, yep. So even if they get the ore back, probably it's going to happen. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's talking to her about Zadar and and she says that somebody that looked like that because wolf says that he looks a great deal like him zadar and mr wolf look alike which is interesting i thought of gandalf and saruman in that moment the two wizards who look like the same yeah it it, i used to get them mixed up like when when i was younger trying to read the stories like trying to read the books i used to get saruman and um sauron those names mixed up of course, because I didn't have, I had my own visuals in my imagination then. And mm-hmm. then, and I also used to get Eowyn and Ar- Arwen yeah. mixed up as well yeah. in my teenage brain. I just like, oh, couldn't separate them. <laughs> they are very similar though, yeah. the names. So. so, so did you understand, did you, did you understand what he was saying? You know, we spent a, he makes a comment we serve the same master for a very long time and that puts a certain mark on people. Yes. That's what he says. Did you understand that? Well, their master is Torak? No. Somebody else. Who is their master? Who's Belgarath's master? I don't remember. The orb of... Aldor? Yep. Okay. And so it is almost that same kind of situation. They were both mentored by the same, but the ones fall into the darkness. That's why he's called an apostate, because that's what an apostate is. Mm-hmm. Someone who turns their back on. They oppose the state. <laughs> well, that's, no, well, no, but yes, that's a good way, <laughs> a good way to remember it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was interesting to find out they look a lot alike. And then she says that they saw somebody that like that pass through their wood. And so she offers to show them where they saw yeah. him pass through. And she confirms that they um, crossed over into Nyssa. Mm-hmm. And that he had a boy with him of six years old, which was... I have no idea why at this point, well, Mr. Wolf. Okay, so have a... The, 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 so Mr. Wolf looks startled when he learns that there's a boy. Yeah. A little boy is about six years old. And then he frowns and he has this moment of realization and yeah. exclaims, so that's how they did it. Mm-hmm. What do you think he's talking about? I don't know. I have no idea. So the, I saying. he seems to know, but I didn't know. So the conversation between Xantha and Wolf, when Wolf is explaining to Xantha what has happened in the world, the orb of Algia has been stolen. 
And Xantha's like, how? And Wolf goes, we don't know how. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway. So he used a little boy to steal it. A little well, boy stole it? <laughs> I don't know. We don't know yet. But right. that's like, seems to be giving us all of the clues. Right. So I'll just assume when he says, so that's how he did it, he's referring to somehow using the boy to get the orb. So. I think so. Somehow. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, they, so so that that's sort of they decide. This, I don't think so, but they decide to split up at this point. Like Mr. Wolf yes. says, him and Silk are gonna go with her to find follow the tracks or whatever of this of Zadar, and the rest have to go to the ships, and that they're gonna meet again at in Naisa. Yeah, which to me seems like a terrible idea. And somebody says we shouldn't split up, so I'm on their side on that. But I just think something bad's gonna come of it. Well, so, I mean, see, oh, it's Mandarellen who says, "Do you think it's wise separate our party mm. in so perilous a place as Naisa?" Yeah, because I mean, let's see. It's like from everything that we've heard, it's really a nasty place, and you know, right. But there's also the like the point in the story where the old mentor leaves the young apprentice to his own devices. It's always this, there's always that point in the story where the archetypes separate. Yeah. In the hero's journey. Yeah, that's true. It's gonna be Garion's moment to shine and actually well, something grow. big. I think something big. Like there's always something big that happens. Like yeah. that shakes and that's them. right and that that's almost like their moment of being tested and like how yes. are you going to handle this yes are you tested. going to rise above it or fall back exactly exactly mm -hmm. so that's a that's like so crucial in in one of these stories that has to happen yeah and Sunidra wants to know what her place is in all of it. Like, she's something special or what? Because I mean, yeah, she's like, she's been a bit shocked by the whole put down by Queen Xantha saying, no, you just buckle up, princess, and do what you need to do. Yeah. So she's like, what about me? What am I going to do? And Aunt Paula says, well, you're going to stay with us. So she doesn't like that. She's like, so she's oh, like, I'll just run away. Uh, there's no for me to go, Nisa. Yeah. You'll go because I tell you to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's no escaping Aunt Paul, so. Yeah, I'll run away. <laughs> yes. And she, that chapter ends with Sinidra bursting into tears after Aunt Paul's telling off. Yes. That's, that's a pretty good paragraph right there. Aunt Paul's just kind of. So did you want to, do you want, did you want me to read the paragraph? What do you want to, shall I? Yeah, it's go ahead. So, it's so good because. I'll run away, Sinedra threatened. That would be very foolish, Aunt Paul said coldly. I'd just have to bring you back again, and you'd find that unpleasant. Affairs in the world just now are much too serious to allow the whims of one spoiled little girl to have very much importance. 
you'll stay with me and you will stand in the hall of the Reaving King on your 16th birthday, even if I have to take you there in chains. We are all much too busy to pamper you any further. <laughs> Cute yep. tears. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Really good. That's it. Good yep. chapter. And chapter. Mm -hmm. Okay, so magic. Yeah. So actually my magic, I think I said it when we were talking about it, but the fact that a dryad lives for as long as her tree, I just love that connection. That that um oh it's so beautiful. I love that idea. Yeah. It is really nice. Like that could um, be a whole you could make I could make a whole book series out of just that idea. Oh shiny syndrome again i have to just write a note <laughs> just writing a note yeah and i i was gonna say one thing for the magic but i've changed my mind after we were talking that mine is also related to the trees and how they shift and like how the one almost like touches garion's mind or something like that mm. but they're just their energy shifts to be this like it's light and pleasant now versus like they're always being watched mm -hmm. you know like the trees. So these trees have a personality they think they do and they, yeah you know trees have uh, like they had this conversation with quite a few vegans um in my time <laughs> about the fact that you know everything has energy and is alive and just because you can't see its face or recognize how it responds to pain or attack or threat or whatever doesn't mean it isn't happening. It just means that you can't perceive it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I've upset quite a few vegans saying that. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, well, then what can we eat, you know? Well, you, what it, you, whatever it is you do eat, you do it with respect and with reverence for the life that is sustaining yours. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. the whole point of a blessing or saying grace or, you know, living consciously. It's about living consciously. And the fact that we live in a world where there's so much mass production of things and it has lost its soul. You know, this is yeah. not how the world is made to operate you know, small communities where people know um, and have connection with the animals that they eat, that provide their milk, that provide their food, the, the yeah. crops that they tend, which they then harvest, which they then, you know, consume. Mm -hmm. That has a respect and a balance and a reciprocal power because you are grateful and, you know, it's like it, it, it feeds into each other. But when you take that and shift it into mass production where there is no soul and there is no magic and there is no balance, that's not okay. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, and what's your magic? Oh, I said the trees too, the 
the way that they shifted. I changed oh, my mind. Oh, sorry, 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 darling. Um, and real life relating. So my real life relating is um, when I was a kid in Brisbane, or a teenager, or even when my kids were little, there's a park in Brisbane, um, New Farm Park, and it has these giant fig trees. And we used to climb into the fig trees and it has like, now it has a playground built and there's like uh, platforms and um, like uh, suspension, like bridges and stuff built in around these trees that I used to climb when I was young. So I'm yeah. not sure if you can still climb them anymore, but oh, so amazing. So that was my real life relating. Yeah, there's some trees like that here that they've now fenced them all off because they're like, no more. The tree is getting abused. It's, you know, it gets to a point where there's too many people. Yeah. And it's not good for the tree anymore. So, yeah. But that is, it's, it's always fun to have trees like that. Oh, so good. Um, I put that I relate a lot to Aunt Pull at the end of the chapter here with Sanidra. <laughs> Because I have a 10-year-old girl. Uh-huh. Well, she's almost 10. And raising a child. <laughs> I'm trying to, to say this kindly. You do it because child, I tell you to do it. That's why you do it. <laughs> yeah. Raising a child in the digital world, in a world that's so digital, um, is hard. And there's times where she'll get really wrapped up in something she's seen on YouTube or something and think that she has to do this or be this or have this. Otherwise, the world is over. And it's then I get into that ant pole mode where I just like, you know what? I'm about to just take your phone away. This is a privilege. It's not something that you just deserve. And if you're going to keep acting like this, then I'm going to take your phone away. And then it's the same reaction as Sinidra, ah, you know, um, and then I just walk away. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's, it's safer just to walk away. Yeah. I just let her get it out of her system and okay, I'll come back later. <laughs> so yeah, I relate to that. Yep. Very good. As all mothers do. <laughs> Yes, totally, totally. Um, So now Prophecy Speaks. Yes. I have to get my book. Okay, so last week um, I was um, talking about wanting to like go to war and it was all about boundaries last week. We talked a lot about boundaries. And so I had a bit of a, through the week, had a shift in all of that that I was really um, wanting guidance in. Um, And it was blinding and obvious and really powerful the boundaries that I was so determined to set are neither for me to set nor hold they're not mine they're my daughters they are not my boundaries yeah 
has yeah. nothing to do with my boundaries <laughs> at all. None of it had anything to do with my boundaries at all. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to to feel like it does though when it's your child. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was trying to make it about me, whether you know to save save a pain or you know absolve myself from guilt that I felt about you know leaving her and her sister but she and I had a really good conversation Uh, and I I say this to my your kind voice group speaking spells saying stuff out loud getting those voices out of your mind and saying it out loud just stops them in their tracks a lot of the time it diffuses all of that fear it takes away their power and especially if you say it to the person that you're afraid of saying it to or that you're having the fear about, it's such powerful magic. And so we had this great conversation and I told her all of this stuff and she was so clear and so grounded and every single fear I had was completely ungrounded. Right. So you know, there we go. Fix that up. That's awesome. So this week, um, I think I need to put goddess rights, talking of groups. I've got a couple. I have a group called goddess rights, uh, which I think I've talked about on here before. And I open it up as a virtual studio for people to come in and we, you know, work together on our separate creative projects, just like together. Um, And it, it's really helpful for productivity and like for focus um, if that's difficult for, for you. But I think that I need to put that on hold and focus on my work with the door closed for a while. Um, and I just want some guidance around that because I'm so fucking busy. I really don't need any distractions. So I think I'm looking for justification, but I don't want to let anyone down who's staying, you know, oh, whatever. I just want some guidance, please, around that and closing it. And what book do you have? Um, I'm using Wild Swans, Three Daughters of China by Zheng Shang. This reorganisation transferred Mrs. Me and brought my mother a new boss the head of the Department of Public Affairs for the city of Yibin, which controlled the Youth League. In communist China, in spite of the formal rules, the personality of one's immediate boss was far more important than in the West. The boss's attitude is the party's. Having a nice boss makes all the difference to one's life. My mother's new chief was a woman called Zhang Shiting, She and her husband had been in an army unit which was part of the force earmarked to take Tibet in 1950. Sichuan was the staging point post for Tibet, which was considered the back of beyond by Han Chinese. The couple had asked to be discharged and were sent to Yibin instead. Her husband was called Liu Ting. He had changed his name to Jiting, linked to Ting, to show how much he admired his wife. 
The couple became known as the Two Tings. In the spring, my mother was promoted to head of the Youth League, an important job for a woman not yet 20. She had recovered her equilibrium and much of her old bounce. It was in this atmosphere that I was conceived in June 1951. So what I'm getting out of this is the reorganization, which means a change of what exists now, brought uh, a new boss who is kind and balanced. And that makes all the difference to one's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the part that stood out to me too, those lines. So, so yeah, I think maybe uh, the reorganize. I feel like that is a really happy, positive light kind of. And two, it's, it's about you are that, I mean, in this situation, you're not, it's not that you're the boss in those terms, but you are the one who organizes this. Yes. And, and the fact that you're going to put it on hold, you know, you're going to approach it in a way because you are such, you are good at being kind about that kind of stuff that nobody's going to feel like cut off or neglected or anything. It's going to be like, okay, I respect that, you know? Oh, thank you. That's good. I can, I can suggest ways that the people in the group can connect without me having to be there. Right. They can totally do it on their own. For this time that I'm, you know, focusing. Yeah, I don't, yeah. (laughs) Cool. Okay. That's my prophecy this week. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I ch- I did check in for my mine last week too because it was also boundaries, um, mm-hmm. and this was about a couple of the moms at school because I'm an hour, a Girl Scout troop leader. I think I was a little vague last week, but it's also because I was right in the middle of it that it was hard for me to talk about it. But so being a troop leader is huge growth for me, like learning to use my voice in new ways as a leader is the first time I really had to do it. So I did the next day. I think it was that night after we did the recording, I sent her an email, one of the moms. And the next day, it was almost like divine timing. Usually at drop off, um, I go to the kindergarten room for my little one. And that's the troop leader. I'm the troop leader for that class. And so we were the first ones there. And as we're walking up, the only person standing there is this woman with her two little ones. She's never usually there at that time. She's usually up at the bigger school with her older daughter first. So I see her and I'm like, okay. And I knew she'd already seen the email. I didn't check my emails yet. So I didn't know if she'd replied or not. And I was very nice in the email. I wasn't rude. And, and she almost hesitated. And I smiled at her and just said, hi, you know. And she started to walk. She said, hi, I started walking. Then she stopped and said, I'm really sorry you know? And, and so it opened up this, we just had this whole little short conversation that kind of brought us back to being good again. And, you know, I was able to explain it verbally rather than just over email. And it was just really great experience. And I think there's kind of a little bit of tension on her end now, kind of like she doesn't know when she can voice up to help and not, but it'll, it'll work out. Cause I'm, I'm so laid back. It takes a lot for me to 
to even say something to be bothered enough to say something I'm so proud of you (laughs) using your voice yeah speaking out loud yeah it was it's it was it was I felt really icky like I said this in our private chat group I think that I felt icky about it as I was typing the email but I said but the only reason it wasn't just this one thing she did it was from the beginning of the year building up and up and up even me becoming leader of the troop it was kind of like her doing a little bit yeah and so I just I just had to like kindly say like this is where our boundaries are mm-hmm. <laughs> so it worked oh well done good. well done so we both got some good clarity around that fantastic um, and this week I'm turning to my health a little bit and mm-hmm. spiritual and physical health and so I just kind of want some guidance on I kind of have some ideas on what I think could be triggering this dizziness uh-huh. but um, I just want a little more guidance see what yep. comes up and I'm using Tears to Triumph uh, by Marianne Williamson mm-hmm. so we'll see what we get here all right so I'm going to start this page today Right livelihood is the principle of making ethical career choices. It means not making a living in ways that harm people or animals because doing so would obstruct enlightenment. Once we see our work as a channel for the extension of our love into the world, we seek to make a living in a way that aligns with a higher calling. Challenges to the principle of right livelihood confront many of us at work these days. We might wonder whether we should speak up about an unethical practice on the part of the company we work for, but we're afraid we might lose our job if we do, and it's not that big a deal anyway. Or we might overcharge for a product because we really need that extra money this month or indirectly promote violence by working on a gratuitously violent commercial television show or movie, or sell an item that we know in our hearts will not deliver on what it promises. This is, this is, okay. This is exactly what I thought it was related to. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, the dizziness started up slightly over the weekend and I figured I was able to breathe through it though. And um, I've also been phasing out of those herbs I was taking that was helping like basically get rid of them. And even without the herbs, I've been doing really good. And so Monday, I tried something related to my business that I have stayed away from for a very, very long time. And I thought I would give it a try because I'm in a new place now. I'm I'm basically a new person in a lot of ways. And I thought, well, why don't I try it and see if I approach it from consciousness, as you were saying earlier, like living consciously, being present as I'm doing it, if I can get different results or if I can actually enjoy doing it. And so what I did, and this was based on recommendations from somebody that we both know and somebody I really value their opinion and she's had success. She is similar, does similar work that I do. And so these were her suggestions. And so I thought, okay, let me just try it. 
spent the afternoon doing it. And what it is, is going on Facebook into groups, adding value into groups where you think your clients might be hanging out. And this is something that I just, after I tried it last year for a while, I just got, I thought it was all just a bunch of like bullshit because the experiences I had is everybody was in those groups to do the same thing. And it's like, nobody wants your services in there, even if you're giving them value. And as I, I had forgotten that though, it'd been a year. And as I started going to do this, I started remembering things and I started slowly feeling like, hmm, but I kept going. And then I started getting a headache and it was the next day, which was yesterday, the dizziness was here. And again, this morning. Mm -hmm. And I felt it was related to that, that I, I almost fell back into that place where I was a year ago. Yep. And what she's saying here in this little thing about right livelihood, um, the line where she says, Once we see our work as a channel for the extension of our love into the world, we seek to make a living in a way that aligns with a higher calling, Mm -hmm. which is what in my heart feels right. And that means to me, no matter what anyone else says, I am not going onto social media to look for clients. I'm just not going to do it. I celebrate your powerful statement. Yeah. And this right here, it was exactly her words exactly confirm that for me. Yeah. So like I said, at the beginning of this recording, it's my focus is inward. And as mm. long as I am living consciously in every moment, it's all going to, the people are going to just like my client from a year ago yeah. came to me yeah. out of nowhere. And it's because I am in alignment right now. And the universe is yeah. like, okay, yep. you're, you're present. Now we'll be present with you and we're going to meet you. Yep. And so it's magical and I'm excited to like live this way and finally see it working and believe and yeah I love it that is very cool sweetheart and the conversation that Alicia is referring to um, is part of before the show, which is a bonus episode of the podcast that goes out to patrons. <laughs> of all of our, all of the stuff we talk about, like before the show and after the show, and it gets cut out of the show when doing edits. So, just in case yeah. that was sounded a little bit confusing, that's what that is. Yeah, sorry. I think it was. Oh, no, don't week, be guys. sorry. That's okay. It's hard to like. You don't have to keep track of that stuff, but just know that if we refer to something if you hear something us refer to something that we talked about earlier and you haven't heard us talk about it it's because mm-hmm. it's in before the show <laughs> yeah so i think it was last week before the show i was telling you about it so um yeah but if you want to listen to before the show that's something that gary and gang and all of the other patrons get ever all the patrons get that one prediction so for next week yeah pr- prediction last week i predicted that the group would recover from the attack, which is kind of obvious, and that they would plan on how to deal with Salmistra. So that was wrong. Okay, I apologize. My dog's gonna join me for this last part. Here, Flower. There you go. Um, this next pre- 
prediction. I think that they will, we'll go see them go to Naisa. As they split up, there's going to be some challenges. I think, I think personally, I'm with Mandarella and splitting up is a mistake. So my guess is that maybe someone's going to get hurt. And, you know, because maybe Mr. Wolf's not there when he needs to be or something like that. Okay. 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 <sighs> so, Flower and Alicia and I are at the end of this episode. <laughs> and Flower is um, you know, letting us know that it is the end of the episode and we've been talking for long enough. Yes. She's like, I want to go out, see who's out there so I can bark at them until they leave. <laughs> Let me go. So thanks for sticking with us, darling listeners. If you want to listen, if you want to talk about this episode specifically on social media or email or anywhere else that you find us, you can use the hashtag damsel in chains and um, you can find all the extended show notes and links to all the things on our website, belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. Um, head over and check it out and you can sign up to our mailing list while you're there make sure you don't miss out on anything you can leave a voice message for us there'll be a link in the show notes uh, just let us know if you don't want your message to be included on the show please and you can email belgariadandbeyond at gmail.com with all your questions and comments and we're on facebook and instagram at belgariadandbeyond yeah i think that covers it well that's but us yeah, for this that's week it. Have a good week. A magical yeah. week. <laughs> see you next. I do this every week. I won't see you, but we will be in your ears next week, darlings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we see each other, so it kind of counts. In a way. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Das. Oh. Damski, damski. Mhm. Mm